Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig, and uh, we have another guest with us this week. Uh, if you've been listening for uh, the past couple months, uh, you've uh, met this individual already as Tyler with the Blueprint blog. Uh, how are things going, Tyler? Hey, things are going great. Uh, yep, just happy to be here again. Yeah, we're happy to have you. It's uh, nice that we get to do these things, uh, experiment with some different things during the off season. Good to get other viewpoints in here as well. Uh, so we're excited to do this. We actually kind of have a, a, I don't know if I would say a full schedule, but we've got quite a few things that we can be talk, talking about tonight. So I think we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, we've had some voicemails come in, so we will start off on that front. I uh, have not listened to these, um, so we'll just kind of go and get a instant reaction from them as we listen like, to. Like a buzzer, like what if they swear, man? This is like a PG-13 show, isn't it? Like a... I've got... I've got... Read that. Yeah. I think with PG-13 movies, you could say one F-bomb. I think that's like, that's their rule. Oh, okay. I don't know if we've ever done an F-bomb on this show, <laughs> No, that that wouldn't get through. But yeah, if it, if anything gets too crazy, this this isn't live, so there's a, a time lapse in which I can go through and catch anything if need be. But we'll see. We looks like we've got two different callers coming in, so uh, we'll get to our first voicemail here and uh, see what we got. This is good old Jim P, and the Twitter handle is Jim P L nine. So I guess that we hired the, the shark humper to be the offensive coordinator from what I keep reading on Twitter. And he wasn't that bad at Alabama. That's where he was, I think. Anyway, um, you know, at this point, anything's an improvement over Strevno. And I really don't care. Like I put on Twitter, I don't care if it's Humpty Dumpty calling the plays as long as they take advantage of the talent that Michigan has. Until they can start spreading the ball around via the pass, you're still going to see eight and nine guys in the box, and then it's going to be difficult to run, then everybody's going to bitch about the line, and then Feinbaum's going to have more fuel to his, you know, his hatred for Harbaugh or personal lust or whatever. But anyway, um, I'm going to go on Sparty for a second. These people trying to weasel their way out of being responsible for that stuff, it goes so far beyond sports, and it just shows that's all they give a damn about. They don't give a damn about these kids and what it's done to them. And you have to wonder how many parents see this, and it gets into the back of their mind. What if that happens to my child? I mean, think about it. It'd be the first thing I've thought of. I don't have any kids, but I have nieces and nephews, and that's what would go through my head. I have I have a niece that's college age right now getting ready to, to start college. It doesn't have to be Sparty. It could be Central, Eastern, Western, whatever. It's disgusting. And they, I tell you, just people are just assholes. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> hope you guys uh, had a wonderful Valentine's Day with your ladies. And that's all I got on my rant for this week. Thanks for letting me talk and go blue, go SU, go to hell, Sparty, Sparty, Sparty. <laughs> Have a good night. Oh, there, well, you, there, go. You, go. <laughs> there, there you go. Wow, I called it. Yeah, <laughs> you did call it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, um, that's fine. It's not like that. <laughs> oh well, Jim, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Always good right. to hear from you. Oh um, yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah, so uh, that uh, that was going to be coming up. I don't know. I guess maybe we'll go ahead and jump into it right now, since uh, since Jim brought it up. That it was going to be something that we we're going to be talking about later. I'm not sure what our next voicemail is going to be about, so I don't know if we'll cover everything they're going to be discussing. But yeah, the Jim McElwain hire that we've discussed previously um, is uh, basically everything but. Official. I don't. I mean, it's not like the football program has uh, tweeted out and things like that. But it's it's basically happening. But there's still a lot of questions around it because there's still that looming wide receiver coordinator 
and or offensive coordinator. Uh, Tyler, Craig and I have talked about it a little bit, uh, so we'll kind of we'll start off with a little bit of your reaction to this, and then uh, get a little bit of a general discussion going. So, uh, so are you mainly talking about just the Jim McElwain aspect of it, or? Well, just I like, probably wasn't going to touch on the MSU stuff just yet. So. Oh, oh, no, no. We'll, we'll probably uh, – that part of the voicemail, we we touched on a little bit last week, so I don't know if we'll bring things up again this week. But from the Jim McElwain aspect. Okay. Uh, yeah, so with uh, – I think with hiring Jim McElwain, I do think he's going to help out with wide receivers and probably be a co-offensive coordinator. So now we're going to have about four offensive coordinators. So hopefully four brains can come together and kind of actually call some decent plays this year, which I personally think they will. Uh, there's just too much talent coming back and, you know, there's a lot of continuity there now. And then just adding another brain in there, I think can only help. Uh, he had a couple stops at Louisville, Michigan state, uh, you know, obviously Fresno state, Bama, Colorado state, Florida, so he's kind of been around. He's done some good things in his career. You know, Louisville, he actually had some really potent offenses back in the early 2000s. And then uh, you also had him being, a you know, the Raiders quarterback coach back in 06. That, you know, just another brain to kind of help a quarterback get developed. Uh, and then, obviously, when he went to Alabama, you know, he won two national titles as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach there. So, Obviously, he was getting the most out of his players there. So I'm pretty honestly, his hire is weird because uh, on Twitter, we all kind of bashed him pretty, uh, pretty hard with the whole shark thing. So that's kind it kind of feels awkward now. But honestly, I think it's I think it's a good hire. Uh, really, I'm not going to bash it yet. Yeah. And uh, Craig, do you do you have anything more to kind of expound upon since more came out since we talked about last time? Well, and Tyler's, you know, he touched on all the points I'm on McLean hires. You know, it's a little bit odd talking about, you know, <laughs> that, you know, we went on Twitter universe and social media and, you know, and went at him because of the whole shark picture and, and whether it was him or not. And then you get, uh, you know, him, him, him throwing a little bit of jabs back at us. And then you obviously now he's out of a job and he needs a Michigan uh, job. And he's on there and, you know, and Tyler mentions all the other things that he did in his past, which he did very well, offensive coordinator, Alabama and things like that. But obviously at Colorado state, he did really, really well. Um, I think the very thing is McElwain is one of those guys. I think you're going to see, yeah, it's a weird hire, but also remember he is very unconventional in his play calling. He, he doesn't play the, by the book. He isn't very vanilla. Uh, I know there's a lot of, Knack on Drebno, you know, a lot of times I saw play calls that I knew exactly what they were going to run. <laughs> and you're not going to see that with McElwain. I think he's going to be involved in, you know, like uh, Tyler mentioned, the offensive uh, side of the ball. But I think he's going to be part of the team's weekly planning during the week, which means a lot. I think that means that, you know, Jim Harlow is going to give him a little bit more responsibility besides just being the receiver's coach. So I think this is going to be something – I think Michigan's not going to be used to, but I think it's a good hire. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, we'll see how it is. But I think I know Jim Harbaugh just knows it can't be like last year. Yeah, I think it can be uh, very good. I'm I'm optimistic about it. Uh, I mean, I'll follow up with you guys and say that it's kind of funny to have the guy that we were cracking jokes about come on staff. But honestly, even if one of our own staff members – was in a situation like that, I'm sure there would have been jokes cracked about it anyways because that situation was weird enough as it was. But um, I do think that he's capable. I mean, when he's set in the position of being an offensive coordinator, he's been really successful. So even though things didn't work out as a head coach, you know, sometimes – I mean, look at uh, kind of a different – oh, gosh, a different take, but Jim Swartz. Didn't yeah. do the greatest as the head coach with the yeah. Lions, but then he just won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Good point. Being a defensive coordinator, and he is good at being a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also really good with the Bills, too, a handful of years ago. Yeah, so some people just are not successful mm-hmm. head coaches. Uh, so very well could be that that is Jim McElwain. He's possibly just better to just focus on the offensive side of things and uh, put his effort there. So uh, I think it's – I don't think it's a 
bad thing. The part that I'm a little concerned about, and I know this has kind of gone all over the place because, yeah, he's coming in to coach wide receivers. People are saying, okay, uh, just wide receiver coach. Some people are saying, okay, he's going to be co-offensive coordinator. Uh, he's going to be involved somehow in the uh, offensive game plan. Um, I'm okay with whatever degree that is as long as it doesn't overcomplicate things uh, for the players and cause any drama inside the coaches' offices or the locker room, however you kind of want to say it. Because, uh, I mean, if anybody's been anybody on social media, they've read things about issues coming up where uh, a lot of things surrounding Drevno and, you know, him staying on staff, not leaving, and having to kind of work around him and everything. And so if the, he comes in and fits and it doesn't cause more drama and he, his skill set is just added to what we have, then it can be a good thing. But if it's a constant competition, it might cause more damage than good. And that's when something ha- something has to be cut. Like you, I've never been the biggest fan of co-offensive coordinators. Uh, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but I mean... If it works, great, but I always worry about the, the battle between co-offensive coordinators. So if they if they work it out, awesome. I think I think McElwain can add stuff for it, but if there's any sense of competition, this thing could really kind of crumble beneath us. Yeah, go ahead, Ty. Yeah, um, one thing that you guys kind of mentioned briefly, uh, I just kind of want to say this. Bringing in McIlwain could potentially ease Harbaugh's mind, you know, considering the fact that he's been a successful offensive coordinator and, you know, maybe just give Tim Drevno and Pep Hamilton the backseat, you know, maybe give them input on the offense, you know, from a passing and a running standpoint, you know, maybe regulate them back to the, uh, you know, the pass coordinator and the run game coordinator, uh, which that's also kind of weird now because now we have uh, Ed Warner, which is a great hire, by the way. Um, so I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but Jim McElwain coming in could ease Harbaugh's mind as the offensive coordinator. And he could, hopefully this is my hope is that he could take the, the Don Brown approach and just let the man coach, you know, you be the head coach, you have the final say over everything anyway. And another thing that I, I kind of wanted to add in here is the way I see it. All these coaches understand what they're getting into. You know, the team just came off of a demoralizing eight and five season, Everything's all just gone to hell over the last few months and this and that, blah, blah, blah. But coaches are there to coach. They're they're there to help players get better, and they're there to ultimately win games. I think all of them understand that, and I think whatever, whatever they have to do in order to win games, I think that's going to be their primary focus, not necessarily being the number one play caller. Right. No, that's a good point, and you're talking about uh... – you know, easing Jim Harbaugh's mind is a great point, too. And, and what Caleb said was good, too. And thinking about that is, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Jim Harbaugh. And I think, you know, McElwain coming in might help ease that and talking about that in and how the two fit with what you're saying, Tyler, and what Caleb was saying. Uh, you get uh, McElwain taking the pressure off Jim Harbaugh, but then you get Jim Harbaugh actually uh, – not t- micromanaging the offense, which it seemed like he had to do, which in turn, a lot of times people can't micromanage too much. And it's a really difficult thing to do. And we, what is the one thing with the coaches in this past couple of years that's been, or the past year or two has been very constant. And with this Michigan team, that has been Don Brown, Don Brown being Don Brown doing what he does best in coaching defense that Jim Harbaugh doesn't have to worry too much about that side of the ball. And then you get an offense that seems to be moving in and out of coaches left and right. You got Wheatley and you had fish and you had all these other, and you have Drevno having a tough time, you know, trying to figure out how to work the, uh, offensive line and being the offensive coordinator. And then you got Pep Hamilton coming in. You got a lot of moving parts on the offense. And when you just keep shifting in and out of coaches, you know, sometimes the players have a tough time. You take Wilton Spate, who really had a really good rapport with uh, fish and then he's gone. And then he kind of seemed like after that, it seemed like he had a really tough year after that. And I think 
once you get your coaches down and then, and you keep them and you keep them to stay, you know, they have to stay, you know, but, um, I think Jim Harmel needs that. He needs some, you know, some offensive stability right now that he can rely on. And I think Michigan to do really, really well. And, uh, I think Jim Harbaugh is thinking about that right now. I, was, I really think he thinks on the offensive side of the ball, he needs some state stability at the coaching uh, line. Yeah. Well, um, the thing that worries me and I touched on it a little bit when I was talking before, uh, but I guess I didn't go in to say this, but it's just like egos get involved in this. Like yeah. there is some reason that Drevno is still here with all the concerns and everything around it. Um, and obviously, I mean, like, we're not hands-on in it. We don't know exactly who does exactly what and says what. Um, so it's just kind of like, you know, when you put more uh, chefs in the kitchen, there's more chance that somebody's going to step on somebody else's toes. Right. So, uh, I mean, as long as everybody plays nice, you know, things are going to be okay. And I think that, like I said, McIlwain could be an awesome addition to have – that insight, but that's the thing where with the defense, it's like Don Brown, period. So that's what I would love to see on the offense. So I don't know. I mean, if my honestly, my curiosity is, is this essentially a possible phasing out of Drevno? Like, does McElwain come in? There's kind of an overlap, and then depending what happens next year, maybe it's just McIlwain and Drevno goes on his merry way to some other opportunity or something. So I, I'm not sure. Uh, that's kind of been a thought in the back of my head. But it, I, it's a little bit too early to tell. I'm optimistic about it. Like, if we're just talking about McIlwain by himself, um, I, I think there's a lot of upside to it. So, Yeah, I agree. But uh, any any other comments on McIlwain before moving forward or? No, I don't think. No, I think we kind of hit all of them, really. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll kind of learn more things about that as we move forward. But uh, but thank you, Jim, again uh, for your call. I know you had some other things that we discussed and we talked about last week. So um, we'll check out some of the other voicemails here moving forward there we go hey Kelly and Craig go blue this is Ray from Tampa I just finished listening to your podcast and uh, you know y'all y'all have some good points up there and everything like that the only thing I will say about Sparty is if that was a bigger school there would be more news coverage on it um, if you remember what happened with Penn State, you went to sleep. They were talking about Penn State. You woke up, talked about Penn State during lunch. That's all you heard, and you heard that for months on end. Um, Sparty's not getting the same case. Uh, I just say it's just because it's a smaller school. Um, in regards to the podcast, I, I like what a lot of things that that y'all were saying and stuff. Um, in regards to Michigan, we're building, we're getting better. You got to have your faith in Harbaugh. You have to trust that he knows what's going on and what he's doing. With his coaching staff, I like what he's doing. With McElwain, he's a winner. He won at Florida. He won at Colorado State. And he has two national championships within the last decade at Alabama as an offensive coordinator. He knows how to coach. He did his thing as a wide receivers coach. His issue in Florida was that he couldn't find a quarterback. But he had a good offensive line. He had running backs. He had receivers. He had what he needed. He just didn't have a quarterback. In Michigan, it seems that we have a quarterback, whether it's Patterson, uh, Peters, Spike or even McCaffrey, we have a quarterback. We have good uh, receivers, running backs, and tight ends. We just need to find the end pieces for the offensive line. If he ends up being an offensive coordinator, I have faith that he's going to get the job done. But 
we do need that wide receivers coach to teach those guys how to do things and how to get off those blocks a little bit better because, you know, we should have won a lot more games if they were able to do that. But don't sleep on McElwain. You know, I know it may seem a little fishy, but you know what? A coach who likes coaching will take a job, whether it's as a position or it's as a coordinator. Most head coaches go down to coordinator positions, but you know what? They will find their way as a position coach if that's what's needed. And you know what? He'd probably rather be a position coach at a major college than go ahead and be a head coach at a lower-tier school. That, that might just be his, his mindset. All right, and it looks like he had to leave a second voicemail here to finish his thought, so here's the second part. This is Ray from Tampa again. Uh, sorry I got cut off. But as I was saying, just trust in Harbaugh, trust in Malcolm Um, I think he's going to be able to do good things for us. I have faith in him. Um, Cam Cameron, whole different story if he was the guy, but McElwain, he, he seems like he's going to have something. As far as Warner, this is the thing if you look at what Harbaugh is doing. One, he's getting coaches that know how to recruit know how to recruit, which is something big that we need to be done. Bring in NFL guys, some of them know how, some of them don't. Some of them want to hurry up and get back to the NFL because that's what they know. But that's fine. The coaches who want to coach these college guys to get up to the NFL level, we want them. The coaches who won and won national championships at other schools, we want them. Why? Because they can help our coaching staff, let alone they can help these players and say, hey, this is where I won at this school, whether it was Ohio State, whether it was uh, Alabama. They could show us and be like, this is what we want to bring here to Michigan. So go Blue. Love the show. Can't wait for uh, summer classes at the University of Michigan. I just got into the master's program, so I'm a little happy right now. But Go Blue. Love the show. Keep doing what you do. All right. Ray, congratulations on that. That's really awesome to hear, man. Good job. Yeah, seriously. Congrats. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of people want to be right there with you in that boat, but that's very awesome. That's not an easy thing to do, so uh, good luck with that when that starts. Uh, thanks for the voicemails. Yeah, uh, touching a lot on Jim McElwain again. <clears throat> so uh, good things to be said. Well, you know what it's if you don't mind me jumping in, I think I'll add a little bit to that. And what he said was, you know, spot on is you, you got to think about this also with McElwain's coming in and remember if McElwain fails, this is it, you know, mm-hmm. for him. I mean, we're talking about, he's a receivers coach. He's, you know, he not, he, he didn't get the title of offensive coordinator not exactly, which is a little bit suspect in itself, but he's going to have a lot, a big part in it. But you have to remember, if McElwain fails this year and coming up, it's that he's done. He's going to be pretty much done with coaching and done. You know, he might be in the you know lower Mac level, but I'm telling you, the guy I think want he, he I think he's going to do good because I think he wants to either you know he'd like to move up, maybe get a couple of years under his belt in Michigan and do really really well back to being a coach. But I don't think Jim McElwain's going to want to fail. In this. It's just not really something I think he's going to want to do. I think he wants to really succeed. And if he succeeds, Michigan succeeds. And, you know, and I think that's a great thing for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, I think that's exactly how it's going to work out. Because um, the easiest way to get another job is to be on a high-profile team that succeeded. You know, look at guys like Joe Moorhead and uh, – Sorry, a bunch of the names are eluding me, but there's a lot of coaches every single year they get hired somewhere because their team did well, and in turn, they look great for it. You know, like Moorhead, like Matt Canada, like every single coach for Notre Dame, it seemed. Uh, you know, pretty much that's the easiest way to get hired is to succeed. Yeah. Now, that's that's part of the thing that feeds into my conversation earlier about the question about ego then, because what if things don't start going well and McIlwain gets concerned about things being pointed at him. You know, what if he isn't making 
maybe if he's just giving input and not actually calling shots and then things aren't going very well and fingers are being pointed at him. Yeah, he winds up being a scapegoat, he feels, and then that, yeah, that's... Then that, that causes, is probably that causes big... problems because he'll want to do something about it because he's like, look, I'm not going down for this if it's somebody else's fault. Does and it take I, I can't do my job. Up. Right. Does it take the pressure off Drevna this year? You know, was it too much? You know, obviously he got most of the heat this year and 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 rightfully so at certain times. But, you know, and I think I wonder if McElwain will take that heat off him a little bit. But you're right, Caleb. I mean, what do you do? Do you say, hey, what if this offense struggles like it did? You know, who do you point the finger at? And you can point it at McElwain. You can point it at Drevno, But I'd say ultimately if it happens again, it would probably more than likely be uh, towards, you know, Jim Harbaugh. And I think he knows that. He is the head coach. He, he runs the show. And so um, – yeah, it'll be really, really interesting what happens. This is this is my prediction of it happening two different, one of two different ways. And this is really generic and everything, but this is where my mind goes to. Uh, one, let's say the it doesn't even have to mean like we have a winning season or a losing season. Let's just say you know, I mean, offensive productivity. You can have a winning season with a uh, power ranked defense and have a crappy offense, and so you know make it to the postseason and things like that. But I could see it happening in one of two ways. One, the offense does poorly and, uh, you know, everybody looks and points fingers at McIlwain, uh mm. at the end of the season. Uh, you know, kind of maybe not inside Michigan football, but, you know, outside people looking in. Or two, if things go really successful, everybody looks at Drevno and then Drevno winds up getting offers to go somewhere else at the end of the season. You know, essentially it works both ways where kind of in the favor of Drevno where there's this, and not saying that that's how it's being set up, but just kind of that's how I can see this uh, coming to fruition at the end of things, whether it's a positive season or a negative one for the offense this year. But I don't know, Just, just me speaking my mind, kind of curious to see how things go. We're still a long ways off even from the first kickoff. So lot, oh, yeah. lots of changes can happen before then. But, uh, but yeah, so pl- plenty of Jim McElwain talk there. Um, we haven't really discussed him. Uh, we're not going to go back and go through it with fine tooth comb because we did our uh, recruiting special this year, but uh, we haven't touched too much on the official recruiting class for Michigan. Um, not much changed from the, preview episode that we did uh the only differences being um kevin doyle uh dropped out i think actually before we released it i think he dropped out uh from committing to michigan the uh quarterback from uh the three-star quarterback from dc and then uh the how gut punch i guess you'd say the disappointment (laughs) that a lot of people kind of saw coming was Otis Reese not following through on his commitment and flipping to Georgia. So outside of that, really everything stayed the same. But uh, we do want to have a little discussion with it again uh, now that we are here after the fact and also that we have Tyler with us. So since Tyler has the new perspective and we have not heard his uh, thoughts on everything, we'll start him with the just general discussion, you know, the pros, the cons, uh, what you're looking forward to, maybe a uh, favorite player in the class or something. Just just anything that comes to mind for the uh, 2018 Blue Bloods class for uh, Michigan football. Um, now, I'm going to say this line again. This is probably when your listeners are going to want to start turning it off because I'm a blowhard. Um, personally, I absolutely love this class. Um, I'm looking at all the names right now. And realistically, none of these players, except for maybe Mustafa Muhammad and Miles Sims, have any sort of pressure to step in into a starting role at all. And honestly, that's if Sims comes in and balls out and steals a safety spot or uh, Muhammad, same thing, comes in, balls out and steals a tight end spot. Uh, just a lot of high potential with this class. You have just a lot of just a lot of. That's exactly what it is. It's just potential. It's just everyone everywhere can just get better. 
just a couple of my favorite dudes in this class, uh, Ben Van Summeren. Um, I can't wait to see what they scheme up with him and Ben Mason because those dudes are just they're just big dudes. Uh, you know, they're jacked. They like to hit people. They're athletic. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Julius Welchoff, I probably just totally butchered that name, but the ginormous athletic defensive end from Germany, like under John Brown and Greg Madison, that guy is probably going to be a tank. And then you also have guys like uh, Hassan Haskins, who's the, you know, the six foot one, 200 something pound running back out of, uh, I believe it was Montana. And, or, oh, it was Missouri. Yeah. Um, you know, he was really slept on. Uh, I thought he had a fantastic senior season. I can't remember. I don't know off the top of my head what kind of stat line he had, but his, I like his running style. He runs behind his pads and I think, uh, he had decent vision. And then I think my biggest sleeper of the class is probably the most hated guy. And that's, uh, Ronnie Bell. You know, everyone hated Ronnie Bell when he signed on because he was like a two-star recruit. But anyone who hated on him, did they even like stop and look at the guy's film? Um, Probably not. like, did, like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Did you guys watch his film? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He is a monster. Oh yeah. Like I was just watching him, and I'm like, dude, this guy honestly has shades of. Don't kill me, guys. But Golden Tate, like he reminded me a lot of Golden Tate. He's just constantly making kids miss. Constantly looked to be like the best player on the field. Obviously, it's a highlight tape. He should be the best player on the field. But, um, yeah, he just impressed me. You know, hands down, I was like, wow, this guy's this guy's a player. He's a good football player, and that's what football teams need to be good as good football players. So, um, yeah, with this entire class, I think everyone just needs to kind of relax about it. This is a class that will come up in, you know, maybe two, three years. You're going to – be like, wow, these guys are here forever. Kind of much like the, I want to say it was the 2012 or 13 class where it had, you know, Charlton and Jake, Butt and all those guys. So I think, uh, I think this is going to be a good class down the road. And if it's not, then obviously that's a telltale sign, but I don't know. I remain very high on this class. Like every player I look at, I'd look at and I'm like, this guy can be something. He has nothing but time to grow and to step in the spotlight later. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, Tyler. You brought up, and you know, you're talking about some of those guys you mentioned was really, really good take. You take, you know, uh, you take uh, Hassan Haskins. You know, he, he, Jim Harbaugh's got it. He's got his uh, power back, and he's got his uh, uh, um, elusive back in Turner. So you got your two backs, right? And uh, kind of like Higdon and Evans are to these two, and I think they're just going to be, you know, they're going to sit back and watch and be on the bench and learn. And you're right. I think, you know, I said, you know, this might be one of those classes that, that might take a lot of the Michigan fans by surprise, just based on the very fact is I think Jim Harbaugh went and got hungry guys. I think he got guys that want to prove something. I think he got some recruits that might have a little bit of chip on their shoulder because a lot, they weren't highly recruited. And I think it took Michigan fans back a little bit. And that could be a good thing because, you know, Jim Harbaugh is probably looking at him saying, you know what, they hit hard, they play hard, they're all out, they ball out. And this is a, these are guys, yeah, they might not be able to come in right away and play. And we know that, but they can grow and to be incredible players if they, you know, get the right coaching development. And um, like you said, I, you know, some of these guys are just looking good. I, 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 I'm, I'll tell you what, I dig in Michael Barrett and where they're going to use him. The guy's a beast. If anybody's watched film on him, watch him. You know, oh, he, yeah. can, he can do it all. He can be a quarterback. He can and all this. But uh, like I said, you know, two guys just really stand out to me. They're just going to be amazing players. Maybe, maybe not this year, but next year you got McGrone and obviously Hutchinson is my Hutchinson is my guy. Just watch him at the, at the army game. Just wrecked. Mm -hmm. He just wrecked it and he's going to be amazing guy. So I just, 
And, you know, Miles Sim, like you said, might be one of those players that would might, you know, he could move over to the safety position, but you get, you got Michigan that is, is def, desperately needing uh, somebody in that safety position. You got Montellis and um, uh, I forgot the other guy escapes me, but um, Canal. Yeah. Canal. And yeah, you got those two guys. Yeah. They played okay. There are times they had flashes where they played well, but there was a little inconsistency in the play. Uh, during the games that we saw that they gave up a lot of big plays at times. Uh, South Carolina mm-hmm. game was one of those games where they gave up big plays, gave up, uh, you know, the, to a quarterback that wasn't very good. <laughs> and so Michigan got burned. And so I think uh, you, you're going to see Don Brown work on that a little bit more, but uh, yeah, those guys are going to be great, man. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. <clears throat> it surprises me. Well, okay. It shouldn't surprise me. People get down so uh, so much on the recruiting stuff and everything, but um, you know, I mean, it's kind of like what do people expect, especially uh, after the way the year went this past year. Um, you know, I mean, you see some of those uh, top schools not even have the number one class. I mean, Georgia came in and uh, took that uh, or was uh, throwing curveball for everybody for the top class and everything. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, with how things went, I don't, I don't really know what people are expecting, especially considering, I mean, I know it now has been uh, three years with Jim Harbaugh and people were optimistic and thinking by year two, everything would be back to um, what the nineties and everything. And, you know, winning double digit uh, wins every single year, Big Ten titles, and I don't know. Just, I mean, yeah, everybody would love that, but this, it's, I've said it before too, this is not the Big Ten that it used to be. I mean, we've got Michigan State that's at a, uh, at its recent peak. We've got Penn State that's back in prime time, and Ohio State that hasn't gone anywhere since probably the 90s. So it's not like any of it's easy, and it's not an easy thing that got picked up and everything. So it's going to take time, and I'm not really using that as an excuse, but I'm just saying that is the way that it is. It's not going to make this class all of a sudden become the number, you know, or top five class just because, you know, Jim Harbaugh is back and things like that. So uh, I think people should still be optimistic. I am I see great potential. I mean, you guys have covered a lot of it and everything. I think that's going to be good. It's definitely just going to be one of those things where time will tell. I mean, we, a big thing is coaches and development, and we didn't have that at Michigan for a while. So we have that now. Hopefully with the the addition of somebody like McElwain, we'll have more productivity and more uh, progression with players on the offensive side of things. So time will tell. Let's see how. It yeah, goes. right. I mean, look at the inconsistency of the Michigan, even at the lead in the leader leadership position. Like I said before, you know what part on this offensive team that you saw a true leader? Usually, you find the leadership at, at the quarterback position. Yeah, Wilton Spate was not bad at that position in Rudock, but I mean, we're talking about Jim Harbaugh really hasn't had a quarterback who played for almost a whole year. I mean, yeah, Wilton Spate did, but. You know, he was uh, he was put on third string again with Hoke. And then you have Rudock who came in, transferred in. And then you got a Corn came in, and he was transferred in. And then you finally get Peters, who really didn't start the season off, that he might he probably should have. And you get a lot of people that thought he maybe he should have too. But um, it is interesting to say Jim Harbaugh really hasn't had a consistent quarterback, not even for two years. And it's amazing that, you know, you take – Ohio State, Penn State, uh, all those teams you mentioned all have quarterbacks who are either rookies or started, but they all are being consistent and being groomed to play for two to three to four years. And Jim Harbaugh doesn't have that. He doesn't have that quarterback I call at that real true leadership role. Um, I wish we would have had Rudock here, you know, for another, oh, yeah. for two or three years. I mean, we'd be balling. I think even Tyler's agreeing with me on that. We'd be balling out, but we didn't. And so that's a part, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Shea. I think Shea Patterson is going to be amazing here, but it seems like that key position that he needed was always tough. And I think we're going to start seeing it. I think you're going to start seeing McCaffrey and Milton. And you're just going to have some good guys coming in here that want to stay and want to play. And I think they're ready and I think they're hungry. And just Jim Harbaugh needs 
maybe Michigan fans to be a little bit more patient. I get it. I understand it. But um, to get that quarterback is really key to him, I think. Um, having that Andrew Luck that stays here and leads this team. We need a leader. Yeah, well, the thing for me, and I know that people hate talking about it and everything, but while I'll say kind of here really quickly, I mean, what we um, – this has been – Michigan's been kind of in a downward spiral, spiral since, what, 2006, 2005, you want to say? So it's been over a decade and then people expect that two years and everything will go away. So, I mean, yeah, everybody would love that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm more realistic or more lenient than some people, but it's just like, you know, I don't know. It, it is what it is. So this is where we're at. We're moving forward. Uh, this class is going to come in and help out for sure. And every class is going to be different. So, you know, it's not every year that you're going to have the number one recruit come come to your school. Like we were fortunate to get uh, Rashawn Gary. So, um, mm-hmm. would you mind if I threw my two cents in here? Oh yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. So with your comment with the whole uh, being patient thing, the way I see it, I'm trying to think. I was about ten years old when we lost that game to Appalachian state. And you know what? All my friends made fun of me for it. And I was, you know, nine, 10 years old, something like that. And, you know, I stayed true. I stayed true. You know, I just wanted to be a Michigan fan. I always felt like that was just who I was. This is the team I'm going to root for. Um, so as for being patient, like all I've ever truly known as a Michigan fan, I'm only 21 years old. All I've ever known is pain. So I'm willing to wait as long as it takes to get to the end of the rainbow because I'm also a Lions fan. So, uh, you know, I'm also a Tiger, Red Wing, Piston fan. So pretty much all I'm saying is, like, when it comes to patience, I got nothing but time because when it does finally ha- – like, when that breakthrough does finally happen, it's just going to be all the sweeter for me, and it's just going to be a fantastic thing. So assuming I ever do see it. So I'm willing to be patient. Uh I'm fine with that. You know, yeah. take your time, build your team, build a program. You know, I'm totally fine with it. You brought up some good sports teams that give you give have been giving Michigan a lot of heartbreak. <laughs> Just, oh yeah. So for a long, long time. But you're right. I mean, you, you got to think about it. This is you're you're talking about Appalachian State. That was a game where it's the defining moment in Michigan with Lloyd Carr leaving, and we're talking about Michigan, who literally flipped its it's program this football program on its uh, heel in one one foul swoop and going to the spread and which is not not michigan it's never has been michigan and you oh, know no. you take a spread offense you literally take everything from that team you might as well just take the whole team and say i'm not sure you'll be able to work with the spread and there's a couple of guys that will work but it literally transformed Michigan, and it was such a tr- tough transition. And you have to remember, this is like the perfect storm for everything, Tyler. It was like, oh yeah, we switched everything to spread, which is going to take a lot of heartache. We didn't have a quarterback. We had no leadership there. And then we had Michigan State coming in and saying, wow, this is a team that's doing this. And then Coach D'Antonio comes in at the perfect time, perfect storm, and, you know, tears tears up Michigan. He does well and then Ohio State obviously doing the same thing and we just we just couldn't we had a it took about 10 years to rebound a little bit from that. So, yeah, yep. it's going to get there. It's going to take a long long time. It's been, you know, I'm patient because of the very fact I know the way what Michigan can get back to. Um it's just been it's been a while and I like I like the smash mouth Michigan And we've seen and we've seen shades of that in the past, you know, two, three years that, you know, like the Minnesota game this year. And there's been a lot of like the Indiana game. There's been a whole lot of games, even even uh, Rutgers. You know, I understand those aren't great teams, but we've shown the ability to actually just out muscle teams and, you know, power right down their throat, which is like, you know, when I was watching Higdon and Evans run for multiple 70 yard 60 50 yard touchdowns in in that minnesota game that was the probably the most fun michigan game i think i have watched since i was a young young kid with mike hart because 
that to me, that is the embodiment of Michigan football and Don Brown's defense. Don Brown's a fantastic coach. He's a fantastic dude. Like he's a, he's a great guy. And seeing that type of defense come back to Michigan too, has just been almost overwhelming for me. Cause like, and then you combine it, combine the two, especially in that one game alone where it's like you have uh Kalik Hudson getting eight and a half ta- uh, tackles for loss, setting an NCAA record. You have so many huge plays just coming from the run game alone. I think we only threw like seven passes that whole game yeah. or something just stupid. But like, to me, I, that was the most fun time I think I've had watching a Michigan game in, in years, because it was, that is the embodiment of Michigan football. To me, that was like when David Harris and Woodley and, uh, Hart, Henny, Long, all those dudes played for Michigan. You know, it kind of brought me back to that. And it was like, dude, this is Michigan football. And this is what I'm waiting. This is what I'm waiting for. I don't care if it takes another five years and you have to sit through Harbaugh being a head coach. If that's what we can get consistently and be a smash mouth power team and build in Alabama, if it does work out that way, I'm totally fine with sitting through this heartache and dealing with the fans and, you know, on Twitter and, you know, I'm it'll it, because to me it'll be all worth it. You know, if we just can get that program, that's all it is. It's about building a program. I don't want to be a one and done. We made the playoff and now we're out. Like Oregon, a handful of years ago. You know, obviously they lost Chip Kelly and then Mark Helfrick wasn't really the end all be all. And you know, now they're kind of in turmoil. They're kind of going through what we went through a handful of years ago. So I'm fine with building a program. Yeah, no, that that's a really good example because uh, of what you just said there, Tyler, because it's like, yeah, you, every, everybody's almost acting like, okay, let's throw everything at it and get something so that we can have that one successful year, everything go well, you know, have, have that one bright, <clears throat> shining beacon of hope for a season, and then, you know, whatever happens, that happens after that. Where it's just like, mm-hmm. no, it's just like, this needs to get back to where it was. Where it was just like, every year was a good year. And some were better than others. But Michigan was still dominating all the time. And, yeah, and that takes time. And, I mean, it sucks, but that takes time. It takes two seconds, one season, one bad head coach to completely obliterate a program, as we've seen. But oh, it yeah. takes a long time. One bad, one bad athletic director. <clears throat> Yeah. Okay. It will take one second. It will take one mistake, one second to break your leg. But you know how long it takes you to mend that leg and get back on it fully. Yeah. A long freaking time. So and it never and it never heals the same. You know. Yeah, Yeah. and it's different for everybody. Some some people like what was it? Uh, Adrian Peterson got back from his injury faster than anybody else had. Everybody gets back differently. Some take longer than others. So right now, that was a that was a freak of nature. That yeah. heal healing process that was not fair. Yeah. So this is just one of those things where it's taken some time, and so yeah, you got you got to work with it. You got to bear with it. Uh, but uh, something else that I want to mention real quick because we were talking about um, some people are just better coordinators than head coaches, uh, and somebody that we haven't even mentioned, Don Brown. Uh, no offense to him, because he is amazing at what he does. But I don't think he ever wants to be a head coach. Smart man, right there. Yeah, he nope. know, he knows what he does. He knows how to be the best at it, and yeah. he doesn't want to change that. I don't think he wants to change that. I think he's happy with what he's doing, and he's just like, I am the best at what I'm doing, and I'm going to keep being the best and keep making changes and keep working towards it. I don't. I personally don't think he's ever interested in being a head coach. No, honestly, what he wants to do is he wants to go play golf in Cape Cod if he can't coach defense and coach it the way he wants. Yeah, and so that's what that's what we need for offense is somebody who's just like, I'm here to be an offensive coordinator, and I'm here to be the best one and make everybody else look like a fool on the field. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. that's what if we could get down both sides of the ball, that would be a game changer. So, well, then that would be Clemson because Clemson never has had any turmoil. You know, they've they've had uh, Brett Venables and I can't I don't know who their offensive coordinator is, but I don't think they've had any coaches leave in like the past like six years, which to me, that's insane. You know, they've won 
they've been to national titles. They won a national title. And somehow Brett Venables doesn't take another job somewhere. And somehow they're basically, I think they had like a wide receiver coach leave. And I think that's like, I could be wrong on that, but that's like the only major move that I heard of. Obviously, you know, like I said, I could be wrong. But one thing I did want to say is if, since you guys were comparing injuries to players, you know, so like if I just thought of this randomly, so like if, if, uh, let's just say Adrian Peterson's fast healing was, let's just compare that to Ohio State when they lost Trestle. And then, you know, they basically just rebounded immediately and got Urban Meyer a year later after Lou Fickle. And it could also be like Penn State. You know, the worst thing in Penn State history ever happens to them. Uh, you know, everything happened. Then they get Bill O'Brien, and, you know, he basically just said, okay, this is a huge amount of adversity. Let's deal with that the right way. And he rebuilt the program, you know, from the ground up, and he did a fantastic job. And then uh, Franklin took over, and he he has just basically kept on that legacy and made it even stronger. And then if you want to compare Michigan to a couple players, you know, you could throw out an, an old school name like Priest Holmes, where, you know, he tore his ACL and was never the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it was once a dominant player in the NFL and tears his ACL and just never regained that old form. Yep. Yep. Or Dante Culpepper. You know, the list of names could go on. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just just a lot going on, a lot uh a lot that goes on behind the scenes and it takes time and I don't know. I mean, that that's one thing that every Michigan fan knows is like it has taken time, but it's just like it hasn't really yeah, um Rich Rod happened and that was just bad. Brady Hoke happened and everybody's just like, "Well, that was an improvement, but that's that's not fixed. That was like a temporary band-aid." Yeah. Um, that was exactly what it was. It was a band-aid. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't growth. It like the program didn't grow. The program didn't go it basically stopped it from uh, bleeding out and maybe like brought it back up like a level. And Jim Harbaugh's take has taken it leaps and bounds, took it leaps and bounds in the first year, first two years. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, so it's yeah, there there are questionable things, there are issues, but it's I don't know. I don't know. Talk, talk about all the time with patience, but yeah, it just it'll get there. I, I believe I've got faith that it'll get there. I'm, I'm not saying that's going to be 2018. I'm not saying it's 2019. I don't know when, but it's just like it, it's kind of cyclical. It'll go through cycles where things don't work out, and this just happens to be a, a long drought uh, right now for Michigan. So a little bit of a side uh, conversation there with that. And actually, we've used up a lot of time. We're actually uh, winding around uh, about an hour here. So I think probably what we'll do, uh, any closing thoughts about anything, um, any of the topics that we've covered, I want to make sure that you guys have uh, time to close anything out before we uh, shut things down here. No, just um, obviously, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, we, we, you and I, I guess we can do our quick comments just on the ESPN FBI, the power rankings poll, just have Michigan at 11 and Michigan state at 10 and um, everyone's thoughts on that, which would be interesting. You know, I have to go into big detail. We can just quickly hash that out. I thought 11 and 10, you know, I thought uh, having Michigan at 11 was a little bit, um, a little bit high on my on my side. I actually am one of those guys where I'd rather not have the rankings. I hate them. Uh, um, I think they're just at, at times useless. Um, and um, Caleb and I had a discussion on the uh, before we started, just talking about the SEC. Always seems to be uh, a conference that seems to get a little bit of more love than <laughs> the Big Ten when it comes to rankings. Um, and the fact that any kind of if we if you lose you drop out quickly and SEC seems to stay in the top ten when that happens, but um, yeah you know it, I think they're just taking into account that how many players are coming back from Michigan um, and it, it, the coaching and then I think they're even talking about you know what kind of players you have returning, especially at the quarterback position. So yeah I, I don't think they're taking into account if Shea Patterson's coming in. 
or are going to start yet. So we don't know yet officially. Um, I think they will take that into account. I think they are taking that into account with the 11 spot. So that's interesting. But, uh, you know, me, I, I think it's a little bit too high. Um, that's just me, but uh, we'll see. I, I enjoy watching Michigan be a low low seed, but yeah, I like I, Michigan be able to work its way up. Uh, yeah, Tyler, I'll mention it real quick. I don't know if you've seen it or read it yet, but uh, real quick, the top ten, and then anywhere that the Big Ten's in the top fifty. Uh, one Clemson, two Alabama, three Georgia, four is Big Ten Ohio State, five Notre Dame, six Washington, seven Auburn, eight Big Ten Penn State. 9, Oklahoma, uh, 10, 11, 12 is all the Big Ten, Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, then from there on out for the Big Ten is 25 is Iowa, 32 is Northwestern, 48, Purdue, and 50, Nebraska. Yeah, Big Ten's loaded. Uh, the Big Ten is honestly like every every team, you know, top to bottom is getting a lot better. And, you know, that goes back to what you guys were saying. This isn't the same old Big Ten. You know, now I look at teams like Nebraska and it's like, wow, I don't want to play them, you know, in the middle of November, at, you know, in a night game. I don't want to do that. Iowa, same thing. No one ever wants to play Iowa. I was a terrifying team. Northwestern, they're not really fun to play ever. You know, like the moon game, that wasn't fun to watch. Uh, but personally, I think Michigan being 11, I guess you could say it's right because we're bringing back so many starters. I think we lo- we're losing uh, two to three starters. That's it. Uh, we're bringing everyone else back. We're bringing in, you know, we're bringing back Winovich, Gary, uh, you know, the entire defense, basically the entire offense. We might be even adding Shea Patterson, but I'm kind of on board with you guys where it's like, I'd much rather them say, eh, this team sucks. Rank them at 34. You know, I'd much rather them do that because that just makes our players play hungrier. You know, it seemed like last year, it seemed like a lot of, uh, a lot of our player, maybe not so much the players, but it kind of seemed like, you know, that kind of stuff can get in your head. You're such a young team. And then that's like, whoa, we're like, I can't remember where they were ranked in the beginning of the year last year, but it's, you know, that could get in your head and be like, okay, yeah, dude, we're already up there. We're already there. And then it, you, you know, it might be a mental thing where it's like, okay, we're already here. We don't have to work harder. You know, we don't have to outwork the other team because we're already here. Something like that. It could just be a small mental thing, but I like the the whole chip on the shoulder, you know, us against the world attitude. I love that kind of stuff, and that's the kind of stuff that I like seeing the players get into. So hopefully they drop us in the rankings, and that way everyone's going to, you know, just dismiss us against Notre Dame in the beginning of the year next year. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. But, yeah, maybe 11 sounds about right, but I wish it would be a little lower. Yeah, I would be there the same as well. But, yeah, starting off the season is going to be – a bit different because it will be against what they have right now is number five Notre Dame. So eleven versus number five. Heck, that might be college game day right there for the opening. Oh, a night game in in uh, in Notre Dame too. That's going to be a massive game. Yeah. yeah, talk about the pressure to start off the season right there. So will be interesting to say the least. Um, yeah, lot lots more to talk about moving forward. Um, Gosh, here we are sitting in February. We've got a long ways to go, but lots of things that we can do during the off season until then. Uh, we appreciate you, Tyler, uh, hanging out with us uh, here for tonight. Um, I know that this probably won't be the last time here uh, during the off season that we do this, but I want to thank you again for joining us. Yep. Thank you again for having me guys. And uh, you know, anytime you guys invite me on, I'll definitely be here. So, uh, my final word is just go blue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we'll uh, let people know here real quick before we close things off. Uh, if you want to uh, send us an email about anything, you can email bluebrotherssportscast at gmail.com. Uh, Craig and I are on Twitter at bluebros underscore Caleb or underscore Craig. Tyler, what's your uh, Twitter handle? It's uh, WarnerT53, just at WarnerT53. So if you guys ever wanted to shout out to me or, you know, whatever, uh, not you guys, but the people listening at home, if you guys wanted to call me an idiot or do whatever you wanted to feel free to do. So I actually like interacting with people on Twitter. 
Yeah, and uh, you you can talk to him on there. And uh, with being with the Blueprint blog, uh, MichiganBlueprint.com, is it? You might have to say it because I, 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 it's like hardwired into my computer. So I start typing and it pops up. What is it? What's the Yeah, it's uh, the Blueprint Michigan blog.com. Okay. So you can go check that there. And there's a lot of different content on there uh, to go and check out year round. So, uh, and then also, I didn't mention the voicemail. Uh, thanks again, Jim. Thanks again, Ray. Uh, for your voicemails, you can always call the voicemail anytime at 551-258-3276. That is 551-BLUE-BRO. But uh, thank you guys uh, for hanging out, and thanks again, Tyler, for everything. We hope you guys are having a good week, and we'll finish things off with Go Blue. Go Blue. Go Blue.